Welcome to the Confident Content Creators Podcast, where we'll talk about how to live unapologetically and show up as your most authentic self online. Hey, it's Lindsay, confident content coach, boy mom, and corporate nine to fiver. I'm an extroverted introvert who loves to talk about all things social media and how to create confident content that converts your followers into your ideal client. On this podcast, we're going to get clarity around your content strategy and hear real life stories from boss babes, just like you, who are showing up confidently online. I know how hectic and busy entrepreneurial life can be. So let's dive right in. Welcome back to Confident Content Creators, everyone. Today, I have with me Kimberly Tara. Kimberly is a CPA CTC. She is a wife, mom to four little kids, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. As a tax strategist and business growth advisor, Kimberly and her team partner with female service providers to maximize revenues, reduce taxes, build wealth, and create a legacy. She believes in fostering a community where women are proactively encouraged to learn and ask the difficult tax and financial questions so they can understand their numbers and confidently make better decisions. Kimberly is all about finding the balance to live your best life and be successful at what matters most. Kimberly, I'm so excited to have you on here because when it comes to business, I think tax and financial strategy is what people avoid the most, which is probably the most important part about being an entrepreneur. So thank you for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this. Yeah, thank you for having me and thank you for sharing this education with your listeners. It's so important and I'm always just so appreciative of anyone who's willing to open the door to start the conversation. I'm Kimberly Tara. I'm a CPA and a certified tax coach and I started my practice seven years ago. And I actually didn't know that I was 10 weeks pregnant when I gave my resignation in my corporate job and was going to start out, but we were already rolling. So I just kept doing the thing. So I joke that I've been growing my business and growing my family at the same time because we now have a six-year-old, four-year-old, two-year-old, and the baby just turned one last week. We have three boys and a girl. And it's I was always going to have two kids, right? A boy and a girl and a boy. Didn't matter. I'm a planner. I'm a typical CPA. OCD type A planner, like I I own it. But yeah, so it's been quite the journey over the last couple of years. And I love what I do. I'm so glad that I took the leap of faith to start my own practice. And it was really because I wanted to work more closely with my clients. It was going to take a while for me to get there in public accounting. And I wanted to work more closely with my clients. I wanted to have the conversations with them. And I also wanted to be a present mom. And so I really feel like some days I have to remind myself of that because I actually love what I do so much that maybe I'll be like, oh, I don't need to go downstairs to the kids just yet because I work from a home office. But it, I just I feel like I'm so blessed that I get the best of both worlds. I get to be a, a present mom. I get to help my clients create incredible businesses, keep more of their money, right? Because there are so many incredible coaches and consultants out there that are helping women grow their businesses, but there isn't enough support and education and resources for helping women on the financial side or helping them keep more of the money as they grow their businesses. And so that's my zone of genius. That's what I'm here to do. And I'm just so grateful that you've given me this platform to come and chat about it today. I'm super excited to have you because like I said, not a lot of entrepreneurs think about the money side of it. Obviously, they all jump in because they want to be an entrepreneur. They want to make a lot of money, mm-hmm. but 
there's so much that goes into that when it comes to understanding how your money works. And then also keeping it legal and tax, like you have to understand the laws, you have to understand all that stuff. But so just to clarify, did you choose to become an entrepreneur before mompreneur or mom life? So I'm the child of two entrepreneurs. So I think that deep down, I knew that was always going to be in the plan, but I felt like I really needed to go in. I don't pay my dues. I don't know if that's the right, but I felt like I needed to go into public accounting first to really learn the tax side of things and how to be a good CPA. And I I needed to learn the more technical side of what I do. And so I don't know that I necessarily planned on starting my practice at 25. Definitely didn't plan on starting it while 10 weeks pregnant. But what happened was it was busy season, tax busy season, right? We were we worked like 70 hours a week. And I was watching these moms FaceTiming their kids to go to sleep. And I just sat back and thought about it. And we, again, kids weren't necessarily on the agenda right then and there, but it was like I had these conflicting goals. So I, I'm an Enneagram three. I'm a high achiever. So I think somebody told me that they had made partner in 10 years and they were the fastest person to make partner at the firm that I was at a medium sized firm. And I was like, I'm going to do it in nine because that's my personality, right? I was like, what do I need to do to make partner in nine? But I also wanted to be a mom and I knew that I wanted to be a mom at some point. And so I was like, Kimberly, this doesn't make sense, right? Like, how are you going to make partner in nine years? But how are you also going to have a child at 28 and 30? Remember, I'm a planner. I had planned out what ages I was going to have kids at. So I was like, yeah, that's not going to work. Like, those are in direct conflict with one another. Either the partner would have to wait or the kids would have to wait. And I really didn't want the kids to wait. And so... I thought about it and I was like, okay, I I know that I don't want to be FaceTiming my kids at eight o'clock at night, five nights out of the week because I'm here at work. And I didn't want, there were a couple opportunities that had come up for me to directly interact with clients, but I was years away from that. And I, that's the part that I love. I love talking to my clients. I love the challenge of answering their questions on the fly. And so that was really what led me to take the leap of faith. And my husband and I were moving from Atlanta to New Orleans at the time. So I was like, good as time as any to to start my own practice before getting settled somewhere. And I'm so glad that I did, right? I'm so glad that I did because now I really do get the best of both worlds of being the present mom, of getting to still work as a professional with my clients. And yeah, I always knew that I was going to be an entrepreneur Definitely happened a little bit sooner, but I don't know. I'm not super woo-woo, but I do think that the timing was right for me professionally, for me with my family. And I've learned I've learned a lot of things over the last seven years because I do get to work so directly with my clients. I'm working with other business owners, so I'm watching their journeys. I'm watching their lessons learned. I see the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I've had my own lessons learned too, right? So it just – it allows me to provide – so much insight and so much value to my clients in turn. And that's what I love about being an entrepreneur, to be honest. I love that. And I love that you have embraced all of the challenges that were just thrown at you. Like you said, you you had planned for something totally different time frame, different ages, different kids, those kind of things. And life has thrown you different curveballs and you're just like, okay, let's roll with it. Let's, we're not going to quit our business just because life threw us something different than what we had originally planned. Yep. How do you balance the entrepreneur life and the family life? You said you have a home office and you've got kids downstairs. How does that look like in your everyday life? 
It looks like a circus. I just want to be honest. I feel like everybody posts these like wonderful things on Instagram and, and I'm not big on social media. And that's one of the things that I feel like I had to give up. It was really draining me to feel like I constantly needed to show up on social media. And so it wasn't aligned for how I prefer to market and sell, if you will. And I have like my little quotations for market. And it wasn't aligned with how I wanted to be a present mom. Yeah, right now, I wish that there was some... Because people ask me all the time, they're like, how do you do it all? And I've actually been traveling a little bit this year. And so my husband's been a huge help. My parents have stepped in and helped a lot. And I remember I got home from, it's maybe like my third trip. I've been gone like once a month, most months this year. My mom was like, I really don't know how you do it. I, I really don't know how you do it every day. And it's not like, wow, I'm so awesome or wow, I have superpowers. It's I think as moms, we really just do find a way to make it work. And it's about being very intentional. And one thing that I'll say, Lindsay, is, you know, people ask me why I don't have a bigger business than I have, like in terms of revenue, right? And I'm I'm clear and honest now that my business has been sitting at the 200,000 mark for a couple of years. And you can really see like the roller coaster of when I've had kids, you can see, oh, my revenue's up. She didn't have a baby that year. Oh, revenue's down a little bit. She had a baby that year. But I unapologetically took a nine, eight or nine week maternity leave with our fourth baby because I got a one week maternity leave with our first baby, right? And so it's setting boundaries. It's reminding myself that I am a high achiever, but I have For me, it's I have a lifetime to run this business. I have a lifetime to make all the money that I want in the world. I absolutely do not have a lifetime to have my kids be five and under, to have them home with me, to have them be infants and toddlers and not in school. And so that's how I stay grounded. And I have to like actively remind myself of that, Kimberly. It's three o'clock. You're going to pick the kids up. And you're not going to get back on your computer until eight. You're not going to think about work. That actually doesn't happen. I do think about work because my that's just my brain. Like my brain is always thinking about work. It's a very logistical, analytical mind. And that's not a good thing. People are like, wow, your brain, I wish I could have it. And I want to pick it. And that's great. There are some challenges that come with that. I struggle to fall asleep at night. I, I, I do have trouble turning it off. But that's where I lean into my boxer. I send myself a quick memo note of what I'm thinking about. And then I put my phone down and I go back to my kids. So it really is constantly reminding myself like, Kimberly, these kids are only so little for so long. You have this business because you didn't want to work 60 and 70 hours a week. You wanted to be there for them. And it's just, I am constantly forever telling myself that over and over again, because like my high achieving self is at war with my, like my high achieving professional self is at war with my high achieving mom self. And I always want to make sure that my mom self wins out in this season of life. Okay. I want to just recap some of the things that you said, just to pull out those pieces for them. So like setting a a consistent schedule, right? And knowing like what time you got to go pick up your kids, what time is lunch? Like I feel like sometimes as entrepreneurs, we forget. Yeah, that doesn't happen. I (laughs) I do forget to eat. I also try and like when I'm making the kids lunch the night before, I try and make a lunch for myself the night before too, so that I can eat it. Oh, that's perfect. Okay. So there you go. Another tip, like pre-plan your stuff, setting setting a consistent schedule, and then constantly reminding yourself of why you're doing what you do and what is most important in your life. Mm-hmm. And I feel if you're at this crossroads where something has to drop, you have to decide what is the glass ball. If you drop it, what's going to break and what's going to bounce back, right? And 
I love that you said that. One thing that you were talking about, you touched on a little bit, which I want to dive in deeper because this Mm -hmm. is a confident content creators podcast all about social media. Yeah. You had said that you, you had to give up that need to consistently show up perfect on social media. Talk about how you show up now on social media. Yeah. So I show up inconsistently on social media and I don't love that. I wish that there was a better plan for that. But right now, because of the work that I do, because of the deep connection that I have with clients, with potential clients, I do, I've actually learned that you can cultivate those deep relationships via social media. And we can definitely talk about that after this, but I just wasn't seeing a huge enough ROI for it to constantly take so much of my time. And that's me personally, how I market and sell. And and I guess I should say that I've never marketed my business until 2023. My business grew from word of mouth, client word of mouth, some attorneys, financial advisors, people who are in my sphere that are working with other business owners and know that they need my services. And so a lot of those leads were always warm leads coming to me. It was such and such said, I need to call you and, and work with you. Okay, let me tell you how we can work together. Okay, cool. Where do I sign up? And so we have a 97% client retention rate. So no one was leaving. Clients were making referrals. We still had, I call them referral partners, but it's not like we were paying them or they were paying us. They just know that we do good work. So I didn't have to, I didn't have to market and I was in mom mode. So it was like where my business was serving our family, where we needed to be. And we provide a very We're not the cheapest. I don't want to be the cheapest. We provide an insane amount of value to our clients. We provide an elevated experience for them. When you hear people talking about their CPAs not responding to them, like we we're sending gifts to our clients. Somebody had a baby, they're getting a baby gift from us. That is the level of service that we give to our clients. And that was more important to me than making more money. So we're very much quality over quantity. And so I guess it must have been about 2021 in between. So I had a baby in 2020 and a baby in 2022. So it was in 2021 that I was really leaning into you have to have social media to grow your business. You have to use social media to market. And I do think that there is a time and a place for that. And I don't, I don't think that, but I don't think you have to have it to be able to grow a business. And I feel like I really lost sight. I was getting more into the hustle culture of social media and you got to post constantly, but it wasn't really good. And so now it's more about, do I have something to say? Do I have something to say that's helpful? Also sharing my family. Like I kept feeling, I work with six figure clients, but I also have a lot of seven figure clients. I have some eight figure clients and I felt like I always had to have this like constant, like overly polished professional self that like almost like they couldn't know that I was a mom. And in my first two years of business, I didn't want my clients to know that I was a mom. If I had to go pick up my son at four o'clock or take him to the doctor at four o'clock, it was like, oh, I'm not available at that time because I have another client meeting. Now I'm unapologetic. My day ends at three because I pick my kids up from school. It's important for me to be there for them and I'll get back to you tomorrow. So my mindset has really shifted in that way. But I, yeah, I just don't, I felt I was just posting to post. I was just doing to do to say that I was on social media and I wasn't intentional about it and it wasn't serving me and it wasn't serving my potential clients. And it's more important for me to say, hey, let's hop on a call together and chat for 30 minutes about what's going wrong. How can we help you? Can I answer some questions for you? And I'm very honest if I don't think that somebody's going to be a good fit for us, whether they're never going to be a good fit for us, whether it's just not the right time, whether it's 
it wouldn't make sense for them financially to invest with us because the return wouldn't be there. And I've actually learned that I can do that a lot in the DMs. And I love, love using the voice memo in the Instagram DMs. When that came around, I feel like that was really a shift for me on Instagram because I love using my voice and I love hearing other voices. And really, that's honestly how I use social media now is to just connect with people. I I don't post a lot. I call it my landing page because there's some posts on there. It's very educational. I had somebody contact me, Lindsay, the other day. They sent me, I followed them because they were featured in a magazine. So I followed them. And normally when I hit follow, I try and send a voice DM saying, hey, so great to connect with you. Here's how I found you. Here's why I wanted to connect with you. And I didn't get to do that because it was the weekend and I just wanted to hit follow real quick. And she messaged me first and said, oh my gosh, I love your content. Will you come on my podcast? Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I will. I would love that. So for me, it's about creating a relationship there and not selling, just like really getting to know you. How can I help you? Is there any way that I can support you? And for me, really getting back to the basics of what I did when I first started my practice and what I did here on a local level going to networking events, just talking to people, just getting to know them, really applying that to the online space so that I can make an impact for more women and finding a way to have those conversations via Instagram instead of sitting at lunch together, right? We have that those conversations back and forth together. Mm, and I love that con- making those connections is really where the conversion actually happens. I think so many people think that you have to have this large following, you have to have the perfect content, you have to say the perfect words, when really the conversion doesn't happen until after you've made that connection and that Mm -hmm. connection comes from the DM. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Is Instagram like your primary focus of where you make those connections or do you utilize other other platforms? Yes, I made the mistake a lot of entrepreneurs do thinking I had to be on Facebook and I had to be on Pinterest and I had to be on Instagram and I had to be on, I've never been on Twitter ever and I don't <laughs> see myself ever getting on Twitter. So right now we are really leaning into Instagram and we're also looking at LinkedIn because my clients are also on LinkedIn as well. And so really trying to focus on less is more. I believe that's how I've always operated my business. But I really, I just, I don't know. Instagram is fun. And do you know, it's funny because you asked how I show up and I find the less perfectly that I show up, the more relatable it is and the more conversations that get started. Somebody responding, most of the story responses that I get, or it's like something about my family or my Mm -hmm. kids or something that actually has nothing to do with taxes. And that's been I'm again, I'll say it again. I'm very analytical. I'm very logical, very practical, very numbers based. And I thought that I had to constantly be talking about taxes or finances or business. And I didn't realize that it was my space to share, quite honestly, whatever I want to share. Mm -hmm. And so I'm leaning more into that and sharing. Like I I recorded a story a couple of weeks ago. And my one-year-old was in the background because that was the most quiet part of the day that I was going to have. And so she stood up by herself and I was like, Vivi, you're like, I shifted the camera. I was like, Vivi, you're standing up by yourself. Way to go, girl. And then went right back to me. And so I must have gotten three messages. Look at that, mom. Like you you cheered her on and then you went right back into talking about taxes and, and finances. And I think we all feel that a lot as moms. And I think that I we have a couple of male clients, but I primarily work with women service providers. And I would say the majority of them are moms because we're in that same season of life where it's you can be talking, you shift kid, you come right back to it, right? Like we're con- I don't 
I don't want to multitask all day, but sometimes I do have to multitask and I can do both and I can do both very effectively. And so I think other moms resonate with that because they're doing the same thing. And I don't feel like we need to be, I don't feel like we need to be docked or minimized in our successful businesses because we're moms too. And because we have to shift gears a lot during the day. Yeah. And I love that recognition of I can be a mom and an entrepreneur at the same Mm -hmm. time. It's okay to show up messy. It's okay to show up imperfect and really embracing that and unapologetically being like, this is me and this is my business. And if you want to work with me, this is what you get, right? Yes. Yes. Um, It's dating. Like you have to, I think a lot of people feel like they have to show up their best foot forward when really Mm -hmm. when you're dating, like you want them to like you for who you are. And so when you are a hundred percent yourself online, that's what's going to draw people to want to start a conversation with you. And then like we said earlier, that's where the conversion happens is back Mm -hmm. and forth in that conversation. Yep. And it doesn't have to be instant. I know we live in a world of like instant gratification. Mm -hmm. I I don't believe in that. And there is no marketing tactic that we currently have. Okay. So we just got started marketing. So there's only not a whole ton of marketing, but there is no like urgency scarcity tactic. There is a little bit of scarcity, right? Like we only take on six CFO clients a month. We're booked out. We're at capacity currently. And there will not be any capacity for six for four more months currently from where we are right now at recording time. That's not meant to be a scarcity tactic. That is just a capacity level that we have so that we can make sure that we serve our clients well and that I'm not burning out and that our team is not burning out. But there's no urgency scarcity, right? Like we are here for our clients when they are ready to come work with us. And I think that really, I think that our potential clients perceive that they know that we're not pressuring them. They know that we're, I will be here to answer what I can, how I can, when I can, until you're ready for us. And I think that they appreciate that. Yeah. Giving them that space to be in the driver's seat and really control how they decide how and when they decide to work with you. Mm -hmm. That's empowering. I wanted to go back to something that you said when we were talking about social media, because I think it's a really important thing to recognize that a lot of entrepreneurs are thinking they have to be on Mm -hmm. every single platform all of the time. But you said a really key word in there that I try to drill into my clients, and that's knowing where your ideal client is hanging Mm -hmm. out. Are they hanging out on Instagram? Are they hanging out on LinkedIn? Like how and where are they showing up? Because you mm-hmm. want to get in front of them. And and with that, you're you're not having to learn nine different social media platforms because there's hundreds of social media platforms out there. And I think that not a lot of people realize that. But getting really good at one and really knowing your audience, you're going to see a lot more conversion and a lot more ROI from that because you're focusing on where the moneymaker is, essentially. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. I think when we, because I even had a little bit of that, we have some other businesses, right? And so I was giving like equal time to each, if you will. And I told my husband, I'm like, I've got to go all in on my tax practice. Like that is my true love. That's my true passion. I like, there are so many women out there who need me, who need to know that I exist and they need our help. And I need to go, you know, 100% in on that business right now because I have to go 100% in on being a mom, right? So that only leaves time for really one other business. And I told him, I'm like, I've got to go 100% in. And it's, and I know that I will see a greater ROI by doing that and not spreading my time so thin. Mm. And we keep bringing up ROI. And I know we've covered this in the podcast before, but ROI is return on investment. So speaking of return on investment and 
you being a tax strategist and coach, tell us what are some things that most entrepreneurs miss, but really need to make a priority early on in their business? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I love using the word ROI. And I want to also add that a lot of times when we think of ROI or we think of investment, we automatically, our brains go to like money, financial. But there is something to be said for an ROI that gives you more time back or more peace in your home or more joy in your life or you feel healthier or or just better, right? So I I always, especially because I am a financial person, people automatically assume that I'm always talking in terms of dollars. Y'all, there is so much to be said for the ROI that my business has given me as a mom, right? And the Mm -hmm. time and the freedom and the flexibility that I have. So don't discount ROIs that aren't financial in nature and investments that aren't financial in, in nature. So I just felt like I had to say that before I well, and really, launch into the financial ROI. Yeah. I'm really glad that you bring that up though, because I think you're 100% right. We automatically think when it comes to ROI and investment, we think money when it is time, joy, how we're feeling. But the money part of it's nice. Like yes. we all want to make money. So how do we make And the money can that? give us that time freedom, right? Like yeah. money, the financial freedom. I had a coach ask me at the beginning of this year, she was like, if you can only pick one thing for 2023, do you want financial freedom or time freedom? My response was, I want both. And she's like, no, you can only pick one. And I was like, I want financial freedom for 2023 because that's going to lead to the time freedom and financial freedom in 2024, right? And I like to begin with the end in mind. That's I'm notorious for that. But some of the ways, one of the biggest things that I want to encourage, if you're really thinking about the financial ROI, is I want you to stop focusing on your revenue, on your gross revenue, and I want you to start focusing on your profitability. Too many times when we talk, when we hear, how much do you make? I have a seven-figure business, right? We're talking about that top sales number. But instead, I really want you to focus on your profit margins, your net income, what that bottom line number is. Because for most of us as business owners, that's the amount that we actually get to keep, right? That's, That's what is actually ours. And I will tell you, because I see people's numbers, that there are so many seven-figure business owners out there who are keeping maybe 10%. And let me do the math for you. 10% of $1 million is $100,000. But I have a lot of clients who maybe are in the five to 800000 range, and they're running 40% profit margins, right? So if you have a $500,000 business and you have a 40% profit margin, you get to keep 200000 And I know for a fact that $500,000 business is a lot less headaches than that million-dollar business for the most part. Not going to say always, but for the most part. So I don't know. Would you rather 200000 and less headaches or would you rather 100000 and a lot of headaches and a lot of ad spend and stressing about if your ads are going to bring in money, right? And you're stressing about your next launch. I don't know. Like really sit back and think about What is your net income? What are your profit margins? How much are you actually keeping? What are your stress levels? Because I'm really sick and tired of seeing the media propaganda and the marketing propaganda. I created seven figures in 12 months. What they're not telling you is they probably spent $800,000 in Facebook and Instagram ads to do that. What did he do? Yeah. And I was just going to bring that up because there's so many, especially in the social media world, there's so many people who are like, I had a 10 figure or I had a $10,000 a month. I had 
a $600,000 year when it's, yeah, that's what your business made, but how mm-hmm. much of that did you get to keep? Yep. And I think that's the real flex if people are like, this is how much money I got, mm-hmm. like how much money yep. I get to keep from my business. And that's where I also need to make that mindset shift of, it's not how much money my business is making, it's how much money I'm bringing in to support my family, to support yep. my dreams, the that time freedom that I want. Because yes. like you said, we all want time freedom and financial freedom can give us that in the long run. Yes. So it's like focusing on that profit. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's always like my first thing because like even on our application forms, if anybody applies to work with us, they'll see they're going to be like, Kimberly, you're such a, you're such a liar because you're asking me what my gross revenue is on the application to work with you. And the reason that I have to do that is because that's usually the number that business owners know. If I ask you, what is your net income or what are your profit margins? You there, I would say probably 60% of the applicants who would want to work with us, they don't know that information, right? And so it's a way, it's a baseline to help me know where that prospective client is at so that we can have a conversation and I can see if they're going to be a good fit. But most of the time, I, when we get on the call, I'm digging deeper to ask questions. One of the first things in the intake and onboarding process is sending us their financials and their tax returns so that I can actually see what the bottom line is, because that's what we really need to start caring about. Because that, again, that is what can provide. And I'm all about using your business as a vehicle to provide the life that you want and not having it be the other way around. And so to create your dream life, it's really about what the business is going to give to you and your family, not what the business brings in, but you have to pay out to employees or contractors or ad spend, right? That that doesn't do you any good. That's not for your family. That's just, you're putting it back into the economy, which is not a bad thing, but I'm here to help my clients build their dream lives by keeping more of their money. Yeah. So how can we keep more of our money? What are some tips and tricks when it comes to tax strategy or even just wealth in general in our businesses to keep more of our money? Yeah. So there are a couple of things. So the first thing is actually looking at your numbers. And I know that there is such a fear around mm-hmm. looking at your numbers, whether you're, you don't understand them, they look overwhelming and confusing, whether you're scared that they're not going to be what you want them to be, right? You were hoping that they were going to be $10,000 and they're only $6,000. So there's first thing is you have to actually look at them so that what they are and you can use them to make decisions, right? Because maybe your income wasn't what you needed it to be for February. But if you know that by March, okay, what adjustments, what shifts are you going to make? What are you going to do differently to make, to increase that income for March, April, instead of waiting until the end of the year and you've lost seven, eight months of opportunity to make some shifts to help increase that revenue. So that's one thing that I like to say. From the tax side, so there are so many options when it comes to tax strategy. And I do think that this is one area that you really do need to find a qualified professional to work with, somebody who's going to educate you, somebody who can do it for you, but is also going to take the time to explain it to you so that you can understand. Because I really want to empower through the education of our women business owners, I want to empower them to confidently own their finances, right? And confidently be able to have a conversation back and forth with their professionals. Because if you don't understand what your CPA is asking you, you're probably not going to give them the right answer. And then they're not going to make the best decision for you. So really understanding these complex topics, even just a little, you don't need to understand them to the level that I understand them, but you need to have a basic working knowledge so that we can have a really good conversation going back and forth. 
So there's a lot of different tech strategies out there. But the one that I love to start with for most business owners is making sure that you're not missing out on deductions. And that comes from looking at your numbers, making sure that you're tracking all of your expenses, keeping your receipts, right? So that having an organized system so that anything that you spend on your business, you're not missing it. That's the easiest and fastest way to reduce how much you're gonna pay in taxes. You don't wanna miss out on any expenses because if you, let's say you miss out on a $1,000 coach that you put on your personal credit card, but you forgot to deduct it in the business, okay, you might be paying two or $300 on taxes in that because you forgot to deduct it as a business expense. So that's the quickest way to make sure as a business owner, new, especially newer business owners, make sure that you have an organized system for tracking all of your expenses so that you're not missing out on anything. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And you actually have a, a freebie, I understand, that helps us understand these deductions. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Okay. So make sure you're tracking them, but also, so we have a resource. It is 118 tax deductions for service providers and 118 sounds like a lot and it is a lot, but whether you're a new business owner or you've been doing this for five plus years, I guarantee you there's probably something in there. I broke it down to be super simple, right? So they can be like, oh, I didn't know that could be a business deduction, right? Oh, I've been spending money on that. Yes, that's a business deduction. I don't want you to be missing out on anything that could help you lower your taxable income, which is therefore going to lower how much you have to pay in taxes. And it's Mm. totally free. (laughs) Totally free. Thank you so much for that because this is going to be such a game changer for so many entrepreneurs out there. And we're going to put the link to this in the show notes as well as the link to your websites. But tell us what is the best way to reach you if somebody has additional questions or they want to apply to work with you? What are the best places to find out more information? Yeah. So you can head to our website, which is terracpafirm.com and you can grab our services guide, see how you can work with us and apply to work with us. But the best way to connect with me really is on Instagram at terracpafirm. Because again, I really love, send me a DM, tell me what you loved about this episode. Ask me a question about raising four kids and having a business. Tell if you have a tax question, again, it's hard for me to give tax advice, right? Because I'm not your CPA, but if I can answer your question or help point you in the direction or be a resource. I'm just so passionate about bridging the knowledge gap, especially for women in finances and business and taxes. Like I'm here to be a resource and and provide as much education as I can. Mm, Thank you. And use Kimberly's uh, connection strategy when you go follow her. Hit follow and send her a message. Tell her how you found her through the podcast and ask her a question. Get to know her. I think that is such a good strategy that I think a lot of people are missing is like we follow people all the time, but Mm -hmm. we don't make those connections. And if we can make more connections on social media, it doesn't matter how many followers we have. We are going to have that conversion because we're making those connections. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing with us, sharing a little bit about your family, your life, your strategy, and of course about taxes because we all need that reminder to look at our numbers, have a system, and of course get more of our money back because that's what we need. Exactly. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And if I could, can I leave your listeners with my three-step process for how to find the right CPA for them? Absolutely. Please do. Okay, cool. We'll run through it real quick. First is find 
figure out what you need, right? We throw this accountant word, CPA, like you hear it and it's you'll hear the word CPA and be like, can I ask you a tax question? They'll be like, I don't do taxes, right? So figure out what you need. Do you need a bookkeeper? Do you need a tax preparer? Do you need a CFO? Do you need a payroll provider? Figure out what type of accountant or CPA you actually need in your business. Once you figured that out, go and research and find three or four people and see if they're actually qualified, right? Do your due diligence. Don't just say, oh, they have 100,000 followers on Instagram and they give tax tips. Yeah, those people are mostly giving wrong tax tips. Like actually go and make sure, I'm in Louisiana. You can go to the state board of, of CPAs in Louisiana and go see that my license is up to date, that I've never had any infractions against me and figure out if they're qualified to work with you. And then hop on a call with them and please always interview more than one person. It should always be two to three because you want to ask them the same questions and see what kind of answers they're giving you. You want to see how responsive they are in that process. And then you also want to see, do they have a good fit, right? Because again, if you're a mom and you've got little kids, but you're running this $400,000 a year business and team, I'm probably going to be a better fit for you than somebody who's a bro marketer out there who is 30, bachelor, never has kids. We're probably both really great CPAs and tax strategists. But when you call and say, when you say, I got to cancel my meeting because I got to take the kid to the doctor, they're going to be like irritated at you, right? So you want to make sure that the vibe and the fit is there because this is a long-term relationship. Don't bounce around to CPAs year over year. That's very costly because the longer, most of our clients have been with us all seven years, right? So the clients that I've been working with for seven years versus the clients that I've only been working with for one year, I just inherently know their business. I know what's going on. I know how to answer their questions. I know how to make better suggestions because I just know more. And we get there with our clients and we work hard to get up to speed. But remember that this is a relationship. You should trust them. You should feel confidence in them. You should never feel inadequate or you should never be made to feel inferior when you're asking them a question. They should always take the time to explain to you and educate you. So really make sure that you feel like a good vibe with them. And you're only going to get that by getting on the call and interviewing them and interviewing a couple to see, oh, that was my person. They were different. I want to work with him or her and really take this seriously, finding the right person for you and your business. There's plenty of options out there. Find somebody who's qualified and find somebody who's going to be the right fit for you and your business. Oh, yes, definitely do your research, do your due diligence, because mm -hmm. yeah, this is an important piece of your business that you don't want to just have any Joe Schmo off the street help you with. Because like you said, we're dealing with the law, we're dealing with your money, right? Mm -hmm. These are big deals and we don't want to take it lightly. So thank you very much for um, sharing that and putting that importance on there. Yeah. Thanks for having me today and sharing this message with everyone. It's <laughs> It's been so much fun. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. If this episode boosted your confidence or helped you find clarity in any way, then will you do me a huge favor and leave a review wherever you're listening? You can also share this episode on your social media and tag at confident content creators. Also, don't forget to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.